Hello and welcome to Emerge, Evolve, Lead, a podcast for people in recovery from addiction who want to be better leaders. I got clean and sober when I was 24, and then I started my corporate career. After several decades, I left that job and created Emerge Leadership Academy, where I train leaders and coach people in recovery who are ready to step up in their career. My name is Maureen ross and I'll be your host. My guest today is Randy Kay. She is a motivational speaker, the author of two best-selling books, a radio host, and a podcast host, among many other talents. And Randy is also a mental health advocate, and she's here today to share about her life-raising Ben, who's been diagnosed with schizophrenia. And she's going to share with us how the family is living and thriving now. Hello, Randy, and welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hi, Maureen. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you on. Um, why don't we start by just telling our listeners a little bit about like, what is your life like today and where do you live? That sort of thing. I live in Connecticut in a town called Trumbull, which is a suburb of Bridgeport, about a half an hour from New Haven, if that helps. Mm -hmm. And so my life now is a jigsaw puzzle that I put together every day and hope it adds up to a living. And many times it does. You, you mentioned a few of the things that I do. So on a typical day, I might spend part of my time in a recording booth, narrating an audiobook or doing other voiceover work. Oh, I cool. am um, in a play that opens in a few weeks because I'm also a stage actor. So oh. in between, I am editing files and memorizing lines and going to costume fittings and things like that. I've done improv theater work as well. I've done a lot of different things in the name of being an actor as a living, and that includes radio work. I work currently on an NPR affiliate called WSHU. I am what they call a versatile host, which means that I fill in for anybody who needs a vacation. So that could be a news oh. talk host or a classical music host. So I do a little bit of that. I do voiceovers. I do stage acting. I do speaking. I do writing. And uh, you know, it adds up to a living, we hope. And you do a podcast too, don't you? What's the name of your podcast? I do. I actually have two, but one is kind of on hiatus, which is called the Life Talk Show. I am a student and teacher of life, as are we all. And, I, and I'm also a huge fan of collaboration. So for one podcast, the Life Talk Show, I teamed up with two friends and its uh, tagline was conversations to enrich and empower your life. And so those episodes are still up there wherever you get your podcasts. We haven't done one. The last one we did was about my most recent book. So we are uh, working on new episodes. The other one is more recent and more current. We're doing episodes and it also came out of collaboration. It's called Schizophrenia, Three Moms in the Trenches. And we are three middle-aged mothers of sons with schizophrenia. We have each written a book about it, and we are strong advocates for our sons and for our entire families, authors. And so one is in the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast, and the other one's in Minnesota. And we have guests on, and we have about 44 episodes for that one. And that is wow. growing of its own accord. I don't uh, promote it or anything, but yeah. a lot of people are saying it's helpful. So, you know, and this is one reason why I really wanted to have you on. I, I don't know a lot about schizophrenia. I do know that there is a lot of mental illness in this country and mm -hmm. um, a lot 
more is being looked at. It's, it's mental health awareness month right now, as, as we're recording this in May and um, being a recovering, you know, drug addict and alcoholic, there's a lot that goes along with that. A lot Mm -hmm. of us self-medicated for years. And I know that some people have been diagnosed with other types of, you know, mental illnesses. And I did have a good family friend whose son was um, diagnosed with schizophrenia and I did get to meet him and he was such a wonderful man. Like Mm. I, I, he was, you could tell he was a really, really good soul, but yet just the word is so scary. And so I know that probably some of our listeners have people in their life that they have to, you know, help on a regular basis through whatever it is they're going through. And I'm hoping to get some insight from you. So, but let's start by, why don't you share the story of, you know, your family and how you discovered that Ben had this and And, you know, what happened and sort of, you know, how did you help with uh, whatever you guys had to go through to sort of get into recovery? Okay, that's a very good question. So many things to answer there. I will start by saying that, yes, it is Mental Health Awareness Month and mental illness itself gets a week in October. So we have mental illness awareness, but of course it's all connected. Mm -hmm. And Yes, with COVID and everything, mental health is certainly more in the news than ever before. Teenagers are depressed. Suicide is up. There's a lot to mental health. To answer your first question, there are a lot of different mental mental illnesses depending on which combination of symptoms people have. Schizophrenia has been described to me more as a thought disorder than a mood disorder. So somebody with depression or bipolar may have extremes in mood, but not necessarily disturbance in their thoughts. And so I say that depression and bipolar is, I don't don't want to say more popular, but it's certainly getting more, more press, more awareness. And it it doesn't kind of, they're, they're all terrible, but schizophrenia is kind of, I call it the last mental illness to come out of the closet because you can look all around and see celebrities coming out of the woodworks and talking about their depression and talking about their bipolar and how they're managing it. And in recovery, in the same way we use in recovery in the addiction world, which means managing and one day at a time and um, stabilizing is how I think of it it whenever we can, that sort of thing. Yeah. Right. So it's not, you're not cured. You're never cured. And, and, and same thing with um, mental illness, but you can see celebrities functioning quite well with treatment, whatever treatment means to them with bipolar and depression, you see others kind of falling apart. I'm not sure about Britney Spears, but we're not going to go there right now. Thanks. Um, (laughs) Schizophrenia is is an illness that you, you're right, it scares you because the only press it gets is when somebody who might have had or might have schizophrenia shoots people. Like, like that's the only thing you hear. So it, it is a thought disturbance. And the thing, the thing about it is that it is consistently and has been consistently in about 1% of the population. And this is regardless of what century we're in, regardless of what country we're in. Okay. So it's not like increasingly diagnosed now. It is a brain illness that has always occurred and been handled differently. And um, 
in my son, it, t- it followed a very typical pattern for males, which is gradual onset in the mid to late teens, difficult to diagnose until you get psychosis. You need that for a diagnosis. And then finally, when you have a diagnosis, you start medication roulette to see what works. Oh and then you try, uh, to me, I have considered that there are four pillars for recovery, stabilization when you have a mental illness. One of them is treatment, whatever treatment means to you. I know for sure for my son, it means medication, not drugs, but medication, which is medication that corrects an imbalance, drug creates an imbalance. So for him, he doesn't agree with me, but he, um, so treatment number two is structure. Having structure in our day is really, really helpful for all of us. Doesn't matter. Um, the third pillar of recovery is that purpose. And a lot of people with schizophrenia who've lost everything and been in and out of hospitals, they don't know who they are. They don't know if the world needs them. They may have lost jobs. So purpose is the third. And there's many ways to find purpose. And then number four is community or love. And it could be your family. It could be the group home that you live in. It could be your team of providers. It would ideally include other people who are going through what you're going through. But unfortunately, a huge symptom of schizophrenia is called anosognosia, which means you're not aware that you have it. So So it's like a blind spot that you just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the illness affects your brain and the frontal lobes of your brain where many of the logic centers are, are impaired. Cognitive center there. Right. So cognitively he is unable to put the pieces together. And when he is symptomatic, he says he doesn't hear voices because of anosognosia, but I will say in my interpretation, he is being told in his inner thoughts that he's not crazy, there's nothing wrong with him, that his mother is crazy, it's the fault of the rest of the world, he shouldn't have to take the medication. And so living with someone you love with schizophrenia is like a game of shoots and ladders. To give you an example, from the age 15 to 18, he kept deteriorating and using a lot of pot. And then we got him clean, he got clean, but he was still symptomatic medication roulette. He got sort of stable in and out. Then he wouldn't take meds. And it was a, a few years of when is he one. going to be sick enough to go in the hospital? And he when went, you, oh, yeah. you had said earlier that one of the things before they even start treating you is some sort of a, um, th- that he needs to be, have some psychosis. What does that mean? to have psychosis. So psychosis is a symptom, not an illness. And psychosis can occur in in many ways. It can occur if you have 105 fever and you're delirious. It can occur if you have Alzheimer's to an extent. It can occur if you have bipolar disorder and you're high in the manic phase or very, very low in the depressive phase. So psychosis is hearing, seeing, sensing things that aren't real to the rest of us. Okay. That's how I look at it. So um, you can have drug and drug induced psychosis as well. So it's it's hallucinations, but that's a very loose word. You know, often in schizophrenia, they say you hear voices, but you might, they might sense things. They might feel things touching them. Um, Grand delusions. So 
with psychosis, I think of it as being in the middle of a nightmare, but you're walking around still believing it's real. Oh, that's how, boy. that's how uh, I think of it. Or when I came terrifying. out of surgery with morphine and I was, my husband was trying to get me to finish the sentence and I just couldn't because there was too much going on in my head. Like that's right. how I try to think of it. Okay. Wow. So, so, okay. So now he's like in his early twenties at this time and you guys right. were just trying to figure out how do we get him this treatment that he needs? Is he independent or is he still living at home at this time? And then what happened next? Yeah. So when I wrote my book, which was 2011, um, he was approaching his 30th birthday and he had gone through, when is he going to be sick enough that someone will really help him? five hospitalizations in one year, finally oh getting stabilized on a medication that worked for him. And then he spent seven years in a group home and that's where he was not able to work, but he had earned some college credits and he was, um, he was, his brain was kind of rewiring and re-strengthening. After my book came out, he got a job, had another relapse because he went up his meds, had another relapse. Then he lived with us for nine years. And in that nine years, he we kept him stable on meds that he didn't want to take, but it was a house rule. And in that nine years, he had progressed to full-time employment. Wow. And driving his own car and paying his, it was a little quirky, but you know, he worked in a restaurant that liked quirky people. So it worked really well. Yep. And then COVID came. Uh oh. And he lost his job. So there went three of the four pillars structure, community, and purpose. Boom. Uh, and then he started refusing medication, and all four pillars were gone. He went back in the hospital five and a half months. And, um, and so this is a psychiatric hospital you're talking mm -hmm. about? Yes. Yeah. And, okay. yeah. and then finally, um, he stabilized again on a different medication, and now he's in another group home. And he's he's got a lot there, but he, you know, his life is different. You know, he doesn't have a job anymore. He doesn't know yeah. what his purpose is. And we're trying to get him to rebuild, but something many of your listeners are aware of when he's not feeling good about his life because he's lost everything. I had to declare bankruptcy for him. He turns to pot. Oh, and yeah. so now, even it's though deep. he's relatively stable on a medication, he is dealing with a pot addiction. And he just crashed from six months clean. Oh, so, you know, I, so it's an up and down. Uh, it is know, shoots and life, ladders. Yeah. Shoots shoots and ladders. And ladders. Yeah. So, and Shoot. I love him. I love him. I also recognize it's his journey. So I just re-released Ben behind his voices, which is the name of my book. I haven't re-released -re the print version because the publisher didn't want to do that, uh, but that's still available. But I re-released the audiobook version oh. with an introduction and an epilogue. So that is soon to be on Audible. It's everywhere else you might find audiobooks, but Audible is always the last to put it up. So that's where we are. I mean, it's up. It's and I've learned to appreciate the good days when they come. And you know, one yeah. of the um, very difficult things for parents who have children that are addicts or children with a mental illness is really letting go in a lot of ways and um, not taking responsibility for all of that. And yet I, I wonder if this mental illness is different than like alcoholism and drug addiction. Like we don't want to try to control that. And yet 
you know, I, I don't know what I would do. So tell me, how do you take care of yourself and what, you know, how involved do you allow yourself to be for your own sanity? It is similar to anyone who's gone to Al-Anon. It is, it is a tightrope between letting go and stepping in all parenting. You're a parent. All uh-huh. parenting yeah. is a, is that tightrope of letting go to stepping in. Do I let my kid fall and he's learning to walk or do I not? The difference with mental illness is very often par- um, family members of people with an addiction are told, let them hit bottom. They have to want to be helped. Oh, it's so hard. It's yeah, but sometimes it doesn't. Right. Right. And with mental illness, it hardly ever works. Uh-huh. I was, you know, cause when he hits bottom, he just goes, Oh, this is fine. This is fine. His voice is telling me it's fine. You know, that he's Jesus or whatever they tell right. him. I don't know. Um, so he doesn't recognize cause he's cognitively impaired. He doesn't recognize that he's hit bottom. He just okay. you know, believes is whatever the delusions are. So, I do try to, yeah, I take care of myself. You have to set your boundaries. Like when he came out of the hospital, he wanted to come back home. And I went, no, that's not going to work anymore. It was, we did nine years. I've paid, I've, I've done what I can for you and I will continue to support you. And you can visit the family on Sundays and I'll come pick you up and I'll help you declare bankruptcy and I'll help, I'll lay out the money until you get social security back. Like, I love you. And I want you in the family. However, I do have a daughter and I do have grandchildren and I don't want them to be exposed to my son when he's symptomatic or when he's been smoking and, you know, uh, and he's like 40 now. He's 40, just hit 40. Okay. And so. he's got skills, so he could get back to work. He could, although the medication he's on, I think, <clears throat> has side effects that <clears throat> I like the other medication, but yeah, it's not yeah. my choice. I, I never have a right. <clears throat> I never have a right to choose which medication he's on. And I never have a right to force medication on him. I do not have that legal right. The only way I ever get medication over objection is if he's in the hospital and I reapply for that. And there is a hearing and independent psychiatrist. And if you get, that's why he was in the hospital five and a half months, he wouldn't take any medication and you, you have to have a hearing and then get the right to medicate. And or actually, or the hospital can apply for that. And, but once they're discharged, that right to medicate goes away. And so, so what, what is, yeah. what is wrong with this system? What is broken here? Tell me, you must know all about this. Like that oh sounds like incredibly diff- difficult. And this is why I think we have a huge homeless population. Mm-hmm. I think the, you know, a lot of at least 50% of the 1% are probably living on the streets somewhere. Or in jail or dead. Okay. I could talk for hours about what's wrong with the system. So I know you want to get to other things, (laughs) but I think one of the biggest problems is the patient has a right to refuse treatment. And when the patient doesn't know they have an illness, that gets tricky. So you'd have to declare them incompetent and then be their caretaker for the rest of their life, which is, I mean, if think of it this way, if, you know, my parents are long gone, but let's say theoretically, my mother had Alzheimer's and was wandering the street. Nobody says, oh, they have a right to have treatment. 
because the children will put them in a nursing home. But my son, whose life was stolen from him when he was 21, he has a right to, re to refuse treatment. You know, it's, it's very difficult to get court-ordered treatment or even court-enforced treatment. And when my son is in treatment, he has a pretty good semblance of a life. He can work, he can drive, he laughs, he, ha he feels joy, you know, so. But that's the first thing in your foundation is the number yeah. one thing. Yep. You've got to have the treatment first and then right. you can put the structure in place. Right. Then you can find your purpose and have experienced love and community. Right. So oh. we're doing our best. And, yeah. he, you know, he's, we've had some good year and I, you know, always hope tomorrow's going to be better. I'm hoping that today is seven days clean for him, but I'm, I also don't want to ask him. It's Do you talk to him too. every day. Oh, we text um, okay. right now. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm angry at him. I understand it, but I can still be angry because he had six months clean and he was doing really well. But, uh, you know, as I understand it, um, one addict once said to me, drugs weren't my problem. Life was my problem. Drugs were my solution. And so for my son, I understand that when he's feeling bad about his life, there's two familiar problems he knows how to get out of. One is giving into addiction and the other is being symptomatic again. I think we all do that when, you know, I used to be a Weight Watchers leader and a lot of time people would get to gold weight and then they'd gain it back. And part of it is you think, oh, if you get, if you just accomplish this, everything's going to fall in place. But the thing is, if you've said your whole life, oh, if I'm thin, I'll get a new husband, or if I'm thin, I'll get a better job. And then you're thin and then you have to work on these new problems. Well, it's much easier to just bring the old problem back because you know what to do with that one. So anyway, that's my theory. I just that's did a podcast last week, a solo episode about the, uh, the six human needs that we all have. And you mentioned that, you know, your, your four tenets of struck, you know, uh, recovery here, stabilization, for schizophrenia is very similar. So, and, and what you're talking about now really relates. So the first two are, um, we all crave certainty. We want to have certainty in our lives. And when things are uncertain or when you, you know, have depression or, you know, there's no hope or, you know, things are too much the same, then we want variety. We want mm -hmm. uncertainty sometimes when things are too certain and vice versa. So it depends, right. But right. when you, are struggling with any kind of emotion that doesn't feel good or thoughts that don't feel good, you know that if you put the substance in your body or this type of food or this gambling or this shopping or this, you know, whatever sexual act, right? There's so many things that make us feel a certain way, but it's so temporary. And when you're in your quote, right mind, you know that temporary isn't a fix. Mm -hmm. but it's really hard place to get into your right mind. And I also teach a course on, you know, how to manage that critical inner voice and building up your inner leadership. And it's all about that managing the voices in your head and re-establishing. Well, I, Randy, I've been sober 37 years and I still have those voices that tell me I'm not good enough or that mm -hmm. I need to, you know, do something different for, to get somebody to like me. And it's, you know, it's 
bullshit. And I have to constantly (laughs) say, stop it and ignore those voices. But if I don't do that, if I'm not conscious that I have the voices, I mean, I can easily see how people, when people are not conscious that they have a choice, they're going to be a victim. Yeah. And, and when add to that, you're aware, at least Maureen, that that is your own in, or maybe it's the voice of a parent, or maybe it's a voice of a critical right. teacher you had, but you know who it is that's yeah. talking. When you have schizophrenia, those voices, I believe I've been told by people experiencing it are very, very real that they're actual oh. beings in your head telling you that, and it's all about you, you're great or you're not greater. You don't deserve to live or, you know, wow. your children will go to heaven if you drown them. I mean, who knows what the right. voices will say? Yeah. So I, I think your course sounds really interesting and, and what, how that ties into some of the things in my latest book, happier made simple is the process of knowing your own self-talk. So, so it's, tell us more about that for sure. Okay. So, you know, I've been through some stuff who hasn't been through stuff. We all have a story. We all have, we all have a million stories (laughs) unless maybe we're five. I don't know, but you know, (laughs) they got stories too. I trust me. Of course. You know, and it's, it's funny. Since my book came out, it's called happier made simple. Choose your words, change your life. And the, and I, I, um, I don't want to say the word struggle. I don't like the word struggle. I strove to find a subtitle that would indicate what it's about. And I chose the words carefully, which is shortcuts to more serenity in a complicated world. I didn't choose joy. I chose serenity. I like it. And since the book came out, there have been two competing theories that, that have come my way. One of them is I find it's much sexier and flashier when people are buying a book. They want to buy, quit that boring job and start your own business. Reach for the sky. You're a badass, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, yay, that's great. We all need enthusiasm and passion and we want to reach our goals. I get that. And that is probably more sexy than have more serenity in a complicated world. What I've discovered is that there's something called the arrival fallacy. When you have a goal and you get the goal, you feel ecstatic for a bit. A moment. A moment. (laughs) But it's making it last. And and I'm not dissing goal setting and goal achieving. I think that's great. But in your body, what you get when you walk over those hot coals at the end of the weekend is dopamine and adrenaline and dopamine and adrenaline. The same thing when you go on a shopping spree, they feel really good for a minute, but they don't last. They can't last. What serenity gives you is serotonin. It's the feel good thing and it's more steady. So I wrote a book because people said, wow, you had to walk with a leg brace for a year, a car hit you and you broke your arm. You raised your, you know, your husband abandoned the family, whatever that, you know, my story is whatever your son got schizophrenia. How come you're, how do you stay so positive? And I thought, you know, it's not what happened to me. It's what I tell myself about it. Yeah. And they said, well, what do you mean? So I developed a program like you uh, called happier made simple. And I made this acronym 
for the seven core concepts, which I did not make up, but which exist in the world. And I just framed them into um, an acronym. And I may have seven catchphrases, which people can try on for size and see if it works. Because sometimes, even if you don't believe them, if you say the words, it kind of sinks in. So I I wrote that book for that. So there was that one thing. And then the other thing that's coming up, because it's Mental Health Month, people have been interviewing me and saying, well, you know, I mean, are you supposed to be happy all the time? And I said, no, that's the other thing. It's not a happiness contest. Like, you know, what percentage of the day are you happier? And what I came up with, because I just did a presentation on this and I said, you know, we're not put on this earth to be happy all the time. We are put on this earth or we're here, or however you want to think of it. We are here to face our challenges And we would love to be able to face our challenges with grace and with love and with an energy and with passion and with um, courage and with each other. No kidding. Teach and love. And if you can find a way to be happier within your, within a moment here and a moment there, then you have the energy to meet the challenges with grace and humor. And one thing that differentiates my acronym from others I've seen is humor, because I include humor as it's the H in breathe. It's a very important part of how I stay positive, trying to find the happy. So, you know, my background as an actor, my background as an improv actor and a morning radio personality has taught me that, look, some things will never be funny, but- most things are eventually funny or pieces of them are eventually funny. And the catchphrase I use for that is, isn't that interesting? (laughs) And then, or sometimes if I'm thinking about myself and my own failings and I get imposter syndrome, you know, like, what is wrong with me? I haven't changed my bedding on my bed for four weeks and everyone else does it every week. And I just go, isn't that adorable? And then I just find humor in it and, (laughs) and good, good humor can lead to self-acceptance. Oh, I loved so much of what you said. We really are very much alike. Um, I also have catchphrases and, Mm -hmm. but one of the things that you said when, when I remember as a, that little book, as a man thinketh Mm -hmm. and reading that in my twenties, and it was all about you know, finding peace and serenity. And I was like, no, I'm not ready for this. I want excitement and I want adventure and I want happiness. And I had this little, like, I really was striving for happiness all the time. And now I have that serenity. I think it's just life experience, but there was this quote I heard the other day and I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I can't remember who said, I listen to so many podcasts. I do so much. I just loved it though. It really, really, summed up some of what you were saying. And that is, you'll never get to fulfillment on the track of achievement. We're always, Mm. always striving to get somewhere. We're not going to ever be fulfilled if we can't just like enjoy the journey along the way. And sometimes that journey has bumps in the road and it might, you know, crack your ankle or, you know, you might bite your tongue. I mean, like stuff happens, right? And we really need to know that for every adversity is a seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. 
you know, Napoleon Hill. Yeah. <laughs> so. and, so, and, and sometimes we might not know it. So, you know, so like one of my catchphrases, I did not make up, but I just call it reality. And that is, it is what it is. And it, you can call it acceptance. And I do accept that my son has yeah, acceptance is the answer. To I all don't of approve our of it. I don't approve of it. I don't like it, but I accept it. It is true. It is true that my ex-husband was an alcoholic. It is true that I can walk again, but I won't ever run again. It is true, but I'm going to stop judging it. Yeah. That's the inner voice, you know, Mm -hmm. control. That's the imposter control. Like we really do need to give ourselves better messages about why these things, what is the gift here? That's what I always say. What is the gift in this adversity? Mm -hmm. And you know, the car just broke down. It's freaking raining. I have to change a tire in the rain. I can't see shit, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? One day we're going to laugh about it. So why don't we just go ahead and laugh about it right now? Right. (laughs) Because, and and you'll hear me chuckling all the time, especially on this podcast. I realize uh, people are telling like really like difficult things. And, and you do, and I do find myself chuckling because I relate because I, I get it. That's the only the reason why I chuckle, but that's that's the germ of, of humor. And also with what you're saying, we also need processing time. Yeah. So, you know, if you're late for the wedding and your car breaks down and you have a flat tire, you're allowed to be a little annoyed for a little bit, (laughs) For sure, you know, like you can have a little pity party and, but, but it's how long does that pity party last? And is it appropriate to what happened to you? So don't expect yourself to immediately go, my dog died. Oh, well, it's going to be funny tomorrow. Like it's not. Yeah. So anyway, so those are some of the concepts that you and I share about grief. That's for sure. And it is a process, right? So anyways, I'm so grateful to have a lot of those insights on the podcast from you today, Randy, and your story. I'm sure it's going to be very inspiring. Nothing is a a cookie cutter solution or a fix and life is a journey, but it's his journey and it's your journey. And it's my journey We're you know, we're in it together, but we don't have to take responsibility for everybody else's journey. True. But is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up and also tell people where they can find you? Sure. In your books. Yeah. So I do, um, I do speeches and presentations about these. I've done happier made simple as a lunch and learn and as a corporate for mental health awareness month, you can find information about the book on Amazon or on the way each book has its own website, happiermadesimple.com or benbehindhisvoices.com. And they also have blogs so you can be updated. My website is randyk.com and it's both are spelled with a Y-E, R-A-N-D-Y-E-K-A-Y-E.com. And so that's a bit, uh, you know, on Amazon, the Goodreads, the, the books are there. And I've also got audiobook versions of each of them because I am an audiobook narrator as well. So that's a bit about that. And just, yeah, I, if I would say anything to close this, if we can unsnap our judgment of each other and, and allow each other the journey and treat each other with respect, then we're all each other's teachers and we're all connected. And I think we're forgetting that a lot lately. And that helps. That helps. We're all connected, but you're right. You know, that does comfort me. I say, this is my son's journey, but I do love him. I can't 
change them or fix them. Fix them. Yeah. Yeah. So we take that deep breath in and we move on one day at a time. But thank you again so much. Your moments as you get them. (laughs) Yeah, that's another good one. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with your friends. You can visit us at EmergeLeadershipAcademy.com to take the quiz to find out what animal best represents your leadership style. And until next week, remember, you have so many leadership skills that you learn in recovery. Stop hiding because your contribution matters.